Welcome to the Show for Stellenbosch sermon series. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our sermons are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share. Good evening again, everybody. I'm so used to going, good evening, welcome to church. They have to say that. Um, but you are super welcome, so we can welcome you over and over because the Father's heart is the ultimate in welcoming, in a welcomer's heart. Um, tonight, I'm going to be sharing with you about the topic called Your Life, a Platform for God. And it's something, some of the topics, some of the things, some of the scriptures we're going to talk about is something that most of us will know and most of us will actually speak to other people about this. But there's a place where when God comes to reveal to us that which we know about, but we do not yet see it with revelation eyes. When he comes to do that, where God, I really believe he wants to bring freedom and liberty tonight in hearts. I've got such an expectation for the setting free from different things. We don't even know what it is, but because he is God, he is the deliverer. He is the one that sets free. So I'm excited for that. Are you excited and expectant with me? Amen. Yes, you are. So let's just quickly pray. Yeah, Father, I submit myself to you, Father, and I say that tonight we've got one desire, and that is just to meet with your spirit, with your presence and your truth, Father. Thank you, Father, that I can be a vessel and only a vessel tonight, Lord, and I thank you that tonight you come and you touch our eyes to see Jesus. That's who we want to see. It's you that we want to meet with now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So our lives being a platform for God. I'm going to start. The first section is called Abraham. And let's just jump into Genesis 17, verse 1 to 8. It's from the ESV translation. It's about God's promise to Abraham. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am God Almighty. Oh, one bag. <laughs> Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. You guys, remember he's 99 and he's barren. his wife, there's no kids. They have no children of their own and he's 99 and it's not like, oh, it's the old days they could have kids kids up till like 500, um, because later in the scripture, it says how he fell on his face in fear of God, but also laughed because he couldn't believe in that scripture later, he asked God, but how on earth could my wife at the age of 90 bear a child and me at the age of 100? So this is the place where he's at when God says to him, no longer shall your name be called Abraham, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout the generations and everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings and all the land of Canaan and for an everlasting possession and I will be their God. So that's a pretty, that's a pretty large promise. When God says to a man that is 99, that also later in that scripture, he says, right about this time next year, you will be with child. Many nations will come from this child and a lot of land physically will be given to them. And also some of your children's children's children, they will become kings. Now, this is the promise that God gives to him. So this is, this is pretty big. It's, it's huge. 
And something that, that we can look and learn from Abraham with his walk with the Lord is the fact that we can see from the next passage in Genesis 22 verse 1 to 13, where God basically asks him, am I the God of your life? Does like your whole life belong to me? Or does your spirit belong to me? And Sundays you will say, I am Lord. But like which part of you belongs to me, the whole part of your life? And also the promises that I give you, am I even God and Lord over that? Let's read there from Genesis 22, verse 1 to 13. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I, the boy, will go over there and worship and come back to you again. And Abraham took the wood off the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abram, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abram said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and he said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. In my life, when I was growing up, when I was little, very little, um, at some age, you can ask my mom, I started to say to her, I want to become a singer and an actress. I have no idea where I got the notion. I didn't have friends when I was little. But the rejection test me is another one. But um, that's what I wanted to become. And then later I got to know the Lord and I realized, oh, maybe this is my dream and not his. So when I gave my life to the Lord as I grew up, um, I said, Lord, if you want something else, I will hand this over. You can tell me anything. I will do anything. I just want your kingdom to come. That's my number one now that you're my number one. And I clearly just felt the Lord saying, no, you're on the right track. And he kept on encouraging me in that direction. So that's great. I studied it, did internships, that I could be like an efficient singer, an actress for the Lord. And um, started working in Shofar Cape Town still, um, you know, as a job. So, you know, while I'm doing my auditions and things. And then 2009, very clearly, the Lord said to me, I want you to offer up this dream like Abraham offered up Isaac. Now you must understand this was something that I fervently pursued <laughs> from a very young age. And at that stage when the Lord said that to me, I was like, okay, I must just make sure this is you speaking to me. So I was praying about it and God came in a very clear manner through someone else also to come and say exactly what he told me. He said through another friend of mine, Anahit, when she prayed um, to hear from the Lord. So I said, Lord, you are so much, you are worthy so much more than just this, even. 
and I gave it up. And I'm so thankful God gave me that opportunity because up until then, if he had asked me that question and I told him no, but I still loved and served him, then up until that age, that time in my life, I would have lived a godly lifestyle, but God wouldn't have been the God of my life because God doesn't share the platform. He is the Lord. He's Lord of all. He's not Lord at all. So in that stage, God is so gracious. In that time, he came to heal a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't even know was broken. But once again, God is so faithful. Um, he even comes to heal those things that are broken that we don't even know yet how to ask, oh, fix this, because that is who he is. So only years later, I realized, oh, Lord, so you were my God, because in that opportunity, <laughs> in that moment, I had an opportunity, and I chose you. But but the, the amazing thing about God is we don't choose him from a, ooh, a right and a wrong, but there's a place where we taste of him and we realize that everything comparing to really tasting, hearing the voice of God, really hearing what his love is for us and experiencing that, that starts to, that starts to fade in comparison. So the first question, just part of Abraham is just, can we live a godly lifestyle without God being the Lord of our life? And I want to answer yes. <laughs> Not many people, but you do get people where they are just big on giving and they might be atheists. So that's very godly to, ha to have open hearts and open hands. You get people that are very hospitable, that don't serve Jesus, but they love receiving people in because God gave them that gift on their life, whether they would choose him or not. God still made us with certain gifts that we have. So what I've just found in my own life and just um, seeing around me and in myself is, there's that scripture where it says that um, Matthew 3 verse 8 says, we must bear fruit worthy of repentance. We must bear fruit that's in upkeep and keeping with repentance. So if I say, oh, I love Jesus, then the, the way I treat my colleagues, the way um, the things I watch on TV, the things I don't watch, those fruits of my life must be in keeping with my testimony, says the word. So in the beginning when we get saved, that's a challenge because certain things need to change. And as we walk with the Lord and he starts to work in our life, some things change. Suddenly you don't want to hear the music with, with all the swearing, even if it's still the cool tune. Suddenly um, some things, yeah, naturally you don't want to want that anymore. You want other things. And that's good because that's God that comes to change us from the inside. But then there, there comes a place where we can, in a religious mode, keep on choosing those things, keep on choosing to turn certain things off of TV, keep on choosing to be hospitable if you maybe weren't hospitable, but Jesus came to change your heart. We can choose those things and allow other things to take the throne of our life. And tonight, I'm so encouraged if I look at the gracious way that, that our Father keeps on coming to us, even though we place other things on the throne of our life, how he comes and says, I don't share my glory with another, and I do not come to condemn you. But my son paid the perfect price. So if you say yes to Jesus, I want to be the Lord of your life. I want you to come to that place of surrenderance because God wants us to come to that place of freedom. So when you hear the word surrendering and giving up, the first thing you think is, oh, yeah, he's taking away the cool stuff. He's taking away the fun. Let's say there's um, a little girl. She's three years old. She's playing with a lolly, and it falls in the sand. What's the first thing she wants to do? Mostly when they're very little, they grab it and just want to put it back in their mouth. But that's why the Lord made mommies. And then they grab, and they're like, let me just quickly rinse it off under the tap, and I'll give it back to you. But who of you know when that mom takes the lolly, 
with a sugar on it, that that child's going to start screaming. Like, mom, what, why are you such a party pooper? Why do you have to always, always, you're always taking my sweets? That's what's going on in her head because she's screaming like this is always happening. And then what happens once you rinse it off and you give it back to the child? She can continue in it without getting hurt, her mouth. And that's who our father is. So many times things, he will come to us and say, Yo, maybe it's not as extreme as an Abraham, or maybe it's not the, your life dream of 40 years. Maybe it's something small. I don't know. Maybe it's Facebook. Maybe it's alcohol. I don't know. Like the Lord speaks to each one of us. And that's the, yeah, the amazing thing about the Holy Spirit. feels very quiet in you tonight. Is it because we are a cozy winter crowd? I hope it's that. <laughs> so, yeah, tonight I just feel like the Lord is encouraging us to say, would you come and, and lay bare your heart before me? And to say, is there maybe something, Lord, that I sometimes hold tighter to this in a way that when you want to comfort me in challenging times, I can't even let go of this to receive your comfort. I can't let go of this to receive maybe healing. And sometimes it's not bad things at all. Sometimes we grab onto stuff for our own comfort and own encouragement that might be a godly thing. But once again, y'all, we can just trust the Lord for him to come and show that, reveal that to us tonight. I know that tonight he's going to be setting free and he's setting free hearts already as we're speaking because his spirit works, but not by power, not by mind, but by his spirit. So in Matthew 3, verse 8, we spoke about the bearing fruit, worthy of repentance, and then a place where we can say, okay, cool, God, I am choosing this, I'm bearing fruit, but I want to check just again, who is on the throne of my life? And that is God saying that he has an invitation, he's not here to condemn. And then amazing thing, the very good news before I go on to the next section is, that it is a process. So we've got different parts of our life and maybe your finances are surrendered to the Lord and your worship, when you worship, you say, Lord, it's not about me. It's not about what people think about me. In this moment, I want to bring you honor as if it's me and you're alone in a room. You know, maybe your worship is consecrated onto him. Maybe your relationships, um, there's no idolizing. There's no dependence on relationships. Um, they, are, they are good. They, they, you have relationships where people encourage you and you encourage them. And the God is king of your life. But then there might be an area where you stumble with what you look from your eye. I don't know. But the good news is that it's a process where we surrender every part of our life to God. Because God has this desire for every part of our life to be a platform for his kingdom to come. Whether it's relationships. Whether it's the way we speak to people. Whether it's um, in front of friends, what we laugh at, what we don't laugh at. And God has got this desire for us to be set free in every area of our life. And what does that mean? To be set free to Jesus. It's a place where we surrender in every area of our life tonight. And I'm really trusting the Lord that he'll show us new places of freedom that he wants to bring for us tonight. So the good news is that it is a process. You can't be saved, and then the next moment, when you look up, every area of your life is completely surrendered. It's a process where we keep on saying, Yo, Lord, are you part of this life? Are you head of this part of my life? Are you, are you Lord of this part? And he's such a gracious father. So I also want to say, like, um, the question, a little baby, when they take their first steps, hey, the very, very first ones on their own, what usually happens immediately after they take their first step? They fall. On the bottoms, what, what do the parents do? 
They freak out. They're sending little videos to the family groupie, to Oma, to Opa, like, my child just walked, your child just walked, the one with your name. Like, they're freaking out. They're so excited that they shouted the little baby for not taking a second step. Now they're so encouraged and so proud and chuffed of this little one, their little one that's taking their first step. So if we as earthly moms and dads, they're very, very still broken and far from perfect. If we celebrate little ones' first steps, you guys, can you imagine when we say to God, yeah, I know I don't walk in this era, but I want to. We take that first step, how he reacts in heaven over us. Irrespective of the next fall, maybe later that very same day. God is a celebrator. He is an encourager. Yes, he is a holy God. And because of his holiness, we fear him and we say, wait, I've fallen. I will get back up because God's grace is not for us to fall down. God's grace is for us when we fall to say, ha, Jesus is still the same. I will get up because of who he is not because of myself. So that's God cheering us on, encouraging us every step of the way. The second part after Abraham is, does my life belong to God full-time or part-time? Now that's why I started off just before the section saying that it is a process where we surrender our lives to the Lord and every part of us. Um, I remember a while back, um, I'd been serving the years, the Lord for quite a few years, um, many missions, you know, it's great. And um, I kept on using harsh words. In Afrikaans, it's called kras. I'm not exactly sure what it is in English. So it's not a swear word, but it's not like, oh no. So it's an in-between word. And I was very convicted the whole time thinking, yeah, I mustn't, um, I mustn't, I must stop using these words. And then I wouldn't use them in front of everybody, just like close friends. So when I would say the word, I was so conviction, convicted, I would stop and go, I know I must stop using that word, and I'm going to. And then I would continue on with my story. Um, and that went on for quite a while. Um, the one day I'm driving on the M5 from the N1 outside of the city, and I remember so clearly the Holy Spirit asking me, Mariette, do you want nations to hear the gospel from this mouth? Yeah, and I was like, yes, Lord. It's my greatest desire if I can, through my mouth, tell nations about who Jesus is so that forever they can go live with him instead of being separated one day for eternity. So yes, Lord, yes. And then the Holy Spirit said, but if you cannot control your mouth in conversations, how will you control and use it for my glory? How will you allow me to use it for my glory? And then it's very simple, not a right, wrong, just a death or life. What's in my tongue? What do I choose? So I repented and I say, Lord, I don't want to speak any death, not even like on the verge of death and life. I want life to come from my mouth. And again, I'm not saying, okay, this word and this word, yes, this word, no, not allowed. The Holy Spirit convicts us and we need to say to him, Lord, you come and show me, Lord, you come and show me. Where am I speaking life over myself? Where am I? How are you going? Oh, in Afrikaans, we love um, speaking. Death is quite a large part of our culture is speaking death. But we need to go to God and say, Lord, would you show me where, where what I am saying is not in line with your spirit because God works by invitation. He doesn't say, hey, Mariet, stop. You don't have control of your mouth. I can't use you. He asks, Mariet, would you? 
do you want to be used for nations? I say, yes, Lord. And then he says, but come, here's the way of life. So um, recently, difficult situation, a a woman that's not, um, she's not walking discipleship yet, but she's hungry for the Lord. And somebody comes to her and in a very accusing way, tells her what she's doing wrong. And and she's overwhelmed. and, And I could encourage her and say that God doesn't speak with a finger. The enemy does. That's why his name is the accuser of the brethren, the accusations. That's him. But how God speaks, he's like, don't do that. But he has open arms going, but come this way. He doesn't point the finger, but he he ushers us in. So tonight, it's not about condemnation. If we realize, oh, this, 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 and this area of my life belongs to myself and not to God. But it's a place of invitation to receiving, surrendering, and then receiving liberty and life in that place. So let's look at full-time belonging to God. Let's look at Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 16. So here God speaks about the fivefold ministry, the people that is given to equip the body. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in the deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does his work. So would you look at that last bit, as each part does his work. In the beginning of the scripture, It says that God gives us the fivefold ministry, apostles, teachers, prophets, to equip us to do the work of the ministry. So those people, what they do is they full-time are busy training our people to do the work of the ministry. So are they doing the work of the ministry? No, they are training up people. It's part of ministry, but they are training up people to do the work of the ministry. In other words, in other words, all of us, the whole time, we're being trained up by the full-time, by the apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, pastors, to do the work of Jesus Christ in our homes, in the workplace, when we go to spar, when we go to pick and pay, when we're in the movies, when we're standing at a robot and there's someone next to us. The whole time, we are being equipped to full-time do the work of the ministry if we look at scripture. So because of a lack for a, uh, another word for fivefold ministry or for people that are full-time being, equipping others, we've started speaking about the full-time ministry, which makes sense because full-time they're equipping people to full-time do the ministry. But the problem with this is sometimes we start believing that, okay, cool, so those people that are equipping full-time, the full-time part belongs to them. I'm a Christian when I'm in small group and in church and, you know, maybe in my office, you know, in my lunch, I must maybe try for a word. But other than that, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm firstly something else. I'm not firstly a child of God. But that's what the word says. Let's look at the other part of, of full-time ministry versus full-time disciples. 
Matthew 4 verse 19. Amazing. I love the scripture. Jesus said to them, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus said to the people walking, to his disciples, to other people, Follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. So what is the fruit once we start following Jesus? We fish for men. Does it say certain times of the day or the year or the seasons? No, it says as soon as you start following him, the outflows, you want to invite others to follow him too. That's the heart of Jesus. Also in Luke eleven twenty three, Jesus says that you're either for him or you're against him. You're either gathering or you're scattering his sheep. The first time I heard this, I think I almost fell from my chair because then I thought, oh my word. So if I'm not running around herding Christians into church, in God's eyes, I'm running around with like stuff, chasing people away from church. I was so overwhelmed. I was shucks. But then I, then I can't do anything other than that. But here's the good news. That previous scripture where we said at the end of, um, in Ephesians, where the end of it, it says that each part of the body comes together and it does his work. This also applies here. So yes, when we say yes to Jesus, we say yes to full-time disciples. Full-time being discipled, full-time discipling others. So we full-time belong to Jesus. There's no part-time. Jesus says you either full-time belong to me or you don't at all. You are the full-time gathering sheep or you're scattering them full-time. But the good news is God has made each one of us different with different giftings. So the businessman that is giving his best and his utmost in the workplace, he's working hard for the glory of God. And as he works hard, maybe he's got an atheist boss or a friend or a neighbor there. And they start seeing from the fruits of his life, from his diligence, that starts ministering to them, saying, wait, this, there's something different to this man. And it's because of his work ethic. For someone else, maybe God is challenging them to share a testimony, saying, Yo, this person is hungry, and they've been wanting to, wanting to ask about the Lord for quite a while, and they weren't sure who are the Christians in their life. So now... You're sitting next to them in the workplace and the Holy Spirit is saying, okay, cool, it's not about inviting for coffee now. It's now like share, testing me, like share it because this person is actually so seeking. Then sometimes we're going we're gonna to have an opportunity where obedience to the Holy Spirit is not to share the testimony. It's going to be to say to them, hey, would you like to go for a run after work? Would you like to go for a coffee? Would you like to come to my house for dinner? I can't cook, but I've got pasta if you want to come. Because the thing is, what we start to do sometimes, we realize, oh, I heard this one testimony of what they did. I must obviously only do that. But even Jesus, he did things the whole time only because of what he saw the Father did. He says, I only do what I see the Father doing. So sometimes he would heal a blind man by spitting in the ground, taking the mud, placing it on their eyes. Other times he would say to him, listen, your sins are forgiving, forgiven, and they would receive sight. Other times he would say, be healed in the name of Jesus. No, no, he, he, yeah, he'd be say, be healed, and his name is Jesus, so it's in his name. Amen. But the whole time, he was dependent on what was the Holy Spirit saying to him. And it's the same for us, being full-time disciples, being full-time fishing for men. If it is time for us to work so diligently in our work so that the, the project can be done, so that the world can change 
policy can change in South Africa. And we're not at our workplace, but we're playing around Googling cool sites about Christianity for my, you, you know, for my neighbor. Then that is not obedience to God. But if you're in the middle of a crazy deadline, the Holy Spirit drops like John or Peter's name in your heart. And he says, get up from your desk. Go there. This man is this close to the end. He has no more hope. Then obedience in that moment is to leave the deadline. If this is what the Spirit says, to go to that man who is planning to finish it after work and to say to him, do you know that you are loved by God? And I feel I must say this to you. That's it. So the good news is there's not this one specific recipe, but the recipe is what is the Spirit of God saying? So all of us full-time, we belong to God, but full-time, we must say, Spirit of God, I want to be diligent in what I'm doing, but the whole time, I want to be available for the kingdom of heaven to come in the lives of the people around me. We don't know what's the last opportunity that somebody has to receive the gospel and if we are in their life and we are part of that for that day, but the Lord does know. So the pressure is actually not on us, it's on him. For he's all-knowing, all-powerful. But he is asking us, who will partner with me to bring the news that I have to these people? We don't have to heal people, you guys. We do, the, we do the natural, the possible part. To take your hand and place it on a knee, that's very simple. To place it on somebody's elbow. To move our mouths to go, in the name of Jesus, be healed. That's possible for us. We move our mouths, we move our limbs all the time. The supernatural healing, that is the spirit of God. So God is wanting to do the impossible, and he's asking, would we partner with him and by faith do the possible parts for us in the natural? Now, I don't know about you, but that makes me super excited to know that God has this desire to, through my life, not because I'm a great Christian or I can quote scripture or if I can't quote scripture, but am I willing and available saying, God, whether it suits me or not, would you speak to me 24-7, my life is yours. I belong to you 24-7. The exciting part about um, all authority being given, you know, by God in Romans 13 verse 1, it clearly states that all authority has been given by God. Now, the cool part about that means that all authority is by him and all platforms are from him and it's for him. So whether you are a prefect, the president... You have a family, you have a friendship group, you have a neighbor, a roommate, whether you have a social media platform, each one of those platforms I just mentioned, God gave to you for him. We can choose what we want to do with it. Hitler had an amazing gift of leadership on his life. God made him an incredible leader, and he could choose what he did with that. Many names I can mention to you, leaders that we all know, that we admire, some we don't admire, but all authority and platforms, God says, it's of him which means it is for him since Jesus is coming back soon. And the challenge for us is not to say, but what did my neighbor do with his Facebook? Or what did my friend do at his workplace? But to receive those testimonies, be encouraged, but say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do with me and my neighbor? Is it a testimony? Is it an invite to encounter one? Or is it coffee? Just do you want somebody to be genuinely interested in their life without anything for me? Because the people in the world are so hungry and they can discern when people start being interested in them just for who they are. Because it's not normal. You guys, how many of us, we get in, you know, calls during the day, hello, how are you? That, that's not, they don't really want to know how you are. But it's part of our culture to have chit-chat. But it's not part of the world's culture to say, who are you? What are your dreams? 
And how can I make them happen? How can I pray for you? How can I encourage you? Who can I connect you with? That's God. That's God's heart. So our part, God wants to do the miraculous, but he's asking us, are we willing to say whether it suits me or not? I want to be interested in the people around me because of what Jesus wants to do to them. Maybe sometimes we are super intimidated by people that are really angry at God and very anti-God. That we stay away because we're intimidated by their brokenness and their anger. And all, all God is asking is, would you invite them for coffee? Someone hasn't asked them around to come to their house in six months. And it's good that you're praying, you're praying, you're praying for them. I'm wanting to love on them. Would you invite them for coffee again? Just saying, Holy Spirit, my neighbors, my, my colleagues, my family, what do you want to do? Because God is excited to minister through you to them. Because he sent his son. So he's not going to take that back. That has been done already. So Jesus said, go, love on people, preach the gospel so they can be healed. The enemy is completely overcome. So he can't hold us back. Jesus is not going to hold us back because he sent us. So the only person that can hold us back from the kingdom of heaven coming through our life is us. So that's why tonight we're just giving an opportunity for ourselves to say, God, I want to respond to you in every area of my life and say, there's no area where, where you are off limits. It's all yours, whether it's my finances, my time, my social time, my not social time. All of it is yours. Then the last part before we respond and just give an opportunity for us just to connect tonight with the Father. So we were speaking now, it's cool, we spoke about just the, that place of full-time belonging to him or full-time not belonging to him, we have this choice. But then there's just something that I, that I want to share tonight, which is, I believe, is on God's heart, which God had to challenge and work with me a lot about. I want to speak, to end off with, speaking about the love of Christ's life, the absolute love of his life. Who can tell me who and what is the absolute love of Christ's life? It starts with a B. His bride. The love of Jesus' life is his bride. The one who makes his heart beats faster is his bride. He says he's coming back soon for her. And the whole time, all the hurts, all the issues, he's working on that, that he's seeing that, and he's coming back for her. And sometimes, because we're part of the bride, we get familiar. And we start saying things about and to the bride, which doesn't bless Jesus' heart. And we don't realize what comes out of our mouth, because we do not realize how he shed every blood on that cross for the bride. So the good news is just where he speaks in his, and the bride has been being lustful and, and with worldly lovers for, for many years. So we can go read in Hosea, but um, I just quickly want to share about um, one year and I think two days ago, <laughs> or maybe it was today, exactly a year ago, I was standing and worshiping in a church in New York. And while we're worshiping, the next moment, I'll start crying, but like intensely, like my, my whole body starts like shaking and I'm crying and crying. And I say, your God, I'm feeling this intense sorrow. Um, why am I so sad? Which, like, I wasn't sure why I was crying like that, but I was feeling very like disheartened and sad. I said, Lord, would you show me why I feel like this? 
And the next moment, God showed me a picture of a woman in a wedding dress. And there's lots of, like here and there, tears on it and stains on it. And she's got blood, like very red lipstick. And she's putting it on over and over her mouth in a very lustful way. Just painting her lips for her lovers, not for her bridegroom. And he said to me, you are feeling what I feel about my bride. So I keep on crying, and then I'm like, Lord, I'm not sure even how to pray for something like this. I understand you say in Scripture that we are, that we, um, you know, we prostitute the, the world, and you're calling us the whole time to intimacy, to surrender, to belong to you. I understand all of this, but this is so overwhelming. How do I pray for this? And then the Holy Spirit said, I just want you to grieve. So I just kept on crying. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I grieve. So I was grieving, and... Um, yeah, after, the, after continuing to cry, I started to pray a little bit, and then the sermon started. So later that day, me and my friend I was visiting, we're on the, we're on the train, and we're going, and this guy, um, so I'm talking to him, and I'm saying something in Afrikaans, and so I go like, Jesus, and, and when I say Jesus, the name of Jesus, I hear the dude next to me with earphones on going, Jesus, and then... Me and John look around, and then we continue, and I'm saying, you know what, and today in church, and then, and then the Lord, and then Jesus, and then I hear Jesus, and we, we turn around. So, so there's this preacher, this is what he does, like he works during the week, and then on weekends, he asks the Holy Spirit, which corner do I go to to proclaim the gospel, which group that I'm, the, you know, must I go to? So when he hears the, the name of Jesus, like he gets fired up, and he just proclaims it, because it is the only name that saves. So we start chatting, and he like loves the Lord. He's on fire and, and we're talking and the next moment I feel I must tell it to him and I'm saying to you, sorry, sir, can I tell you something strange? So this morning I was in church and, and I, I was crying like hectically and I didn't understand why and the Lord said I must grieve because of his pride and the way she's looking to the world and not to him. And he, and he looked at me with large eyes and he said the Lord said to him today to grieve, to grieve for his bride. So me and him on the train. Um, have this oh, just a, a moment where we're just in awe of who Jesus is and of this one Holy Spirit that is, that is calling the bride the whole time back to him. So the good news is just uh, when we look at Hosea 2 verse 14 and 15, before that in Hosea, um, yeah, I'd encourage you to go read about Hosea again. It's very applicable for today. There's a part in Hosea where they say, the people like Israel, like the children of God, they knew the Lord, walked with them, saw miracles, and then um, they would turn their back. And two seconds later, they would um, worship idols made of silver. And then we think, oh, my word, like, pff, silly. If I saw God face to face, I'd never do that. But somebody that I know told me there's this one part in smartphones that they haven't found another replacement for. It can only be made with silver. And what do a lot of us worship? So Hosea really challenged me and encouraged me because before, in the beginning of Hosea, it tells like hectically how um, they turned the bride, the people of God, turned to other things to worship it. And then listen like to what God's response is, to what he will do to this bride that is the whole time turning her back on him. Hosea 2 is 14 and 50. Therefore behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of Acre a door of hope. 
And there she shall answer as in the days of her youth, as in the time when she came out of the land of Egypt, as in the time when you, the first time you saw Jesus, that is true and you want to give your life to him. That's what God says. He wants to bring us to that place of intimacy and of excitement because of who he is all the time. Whether we've been serving God for six months, for six minutes, or for 14 or 20 or 40 years, the whole time God says, what I have for you is a place of intimacy and where a place where you so look into my eyes that your response is that if you, you feel like this is brand new, you feel like this is brand new, this love that you found. And that's his invitation. He is not condemning us. He is inviting us to this place. But the thing about the bride is just, she has those faults and Jesus knows about it. Jesus knows, the Father knows about every weakness and every sin of every member and every leader of every church, of every house church, of every small group, of every community of believers on earth. He knows about it. And that's why he made the perfect provision through his son's blood, Jesus Christ's blood. So his heart is for the bride and he knows what the answer is. So he's asking, will we partner with him and have a heart for the bride the way he has a heart? Because there's such a fine line with seeing something that's wrong, having compassion, feeling anger toward the unrighteousness, fine line between that, just starting to gossip, starting to slander the one who makes Jesus' heart beat faster. And that's something that we need to check with the Holy Spirit and, and we need to sensitize ourselves again because we get part of the bar, body and part of church for a while and then later we become familiar and we start partnering with things that wasn't originally our desire but the enemy comes sneakily, sneakily, bit by bit, little offense, little offense, little, um, it's a leer styling in English, little disappointment followed by another little disappointment followed by a very large disappointment. But still God says in all of that, his son's blood is still sufficient. And we don't understand that with our heads, but we know with our heart and our spirit that the word of God is true and that's the only way that we can receive life. And it's the only way that we can love one another. It says in Psalm um, 92 verse 13 to 15, God says how blessed it is when we are planted in his house. Not when we are planted in a perfect house. <laughs> no, when we are planted in his house. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. So God says the righteous when we are planted in his house, that is what we say yes to. So that's his heart for his bride, for his house. In Hebrews 10 verse 24 to 25, the Amplified Version says it beautifully. This is the responsibility, according to God's word, of us as believers. And let us consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another to love and to do good deeds, not forsaking our meeting together as believers for worship and instruction, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more faithfully as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. So it says there, consider thoughtfully, like, Lord, this friend, what's their heart? What are their dreams? How can I encourage them to go for that? It's a place where we say, God, I, through my life, I want other people to finish the race because I was in their life. I want to cheer them on. I want to encourage them in a way that they will finish their race because Jesus, I was willing because God has got a desire to give us words of knowledge, 
words of encouragement, words of life, to speak over one another, but he is a gentleman. And he's waiting for us to come and say, God, what is your heart for this girl? I want to send her a message, not just love you, but Lord, would you give me a word for them? Maybe you get a scripture. Maybe you like me and you won't get a scripture. You'll probably get a picture or a thought will pop in. But the awesome thing is God is so desiring and willing to cheer them on. God is just asking who's willing to ask to be the mouthpiece. And that is his heart for us as his bride, is to cheer one another on. Even though you see, oh my word, that part of your race is not great, but I know God is speaking to you about that. And the Holy Spirit said, hold back, just pray for that. So I see the limp part, but your, your posture is very good when you run. I'm just going to affirm that and encourage that because they've even did a study to say that, and we're going to end off now and just respond, but they, they did a study to see that when people focus on their weaknesses to get that better, instead of focusing on their strengths, what would be the outcome? And they found that the people that focused on their weaknesses, their strengths deteriorated. And their weaknesses didn't necessarily turn around into their strengths. While when we say, yes, I'm going to focus on, on the strengths, there's a place where when we focus on life, when we speak life, and yes, we need to be accountable about our weaknesses, definitely there's right and there's wrong still. But God is calling us saying, would you release life over your lips, over your, who you are, over one another, so they can start going from jumping this high to jumping and scaling a wall, because God's word says, with my God, I can scale a wall. And then to end off, um, just recently, um, sometimes we get these uh, moments in our day or week or life where you're faced with a lot of decisions at the same time, you're faced with a lot of thoughts at the same time, you're faced with a lot of challenges maybe at the same time or two challenges now and overwhelmed this afternoon with other decisions and it's something that I've just found <laughs> that helps me to refocus and just to sum it up again in that moment just to clear my head and to focus myself is when I say to myself and I'm saying it to other people as well, that Jesus is on his way back. He's coming really soon. And all I can take with me are the people. So I want to give that to you tonight. You guys, Jesus is coming back really soon. He's coming back really soon. He says in his word, behold, I'm knocking at the door. That's how close I am to him in the spirit. He says, I'm knocking at the door. No matter what we feel in our head, what we see, Jesus says, I'm knocking at the door. Behold, I'm coming back soon. And all we can take with to him are the people. So it's from that place where we can say, God, I want to vigilantly let every area of my life be a platform for other people to get to know Jesus, whether it's through the excellence of my work or whether it's through that place of when I'm finished with my excellent work, exiting and just looking out and saying, God, how do you see the one that's sitting here that's the secretary or the security, always 24-7, sitting here next to the NLC security? How do you see them? Is there something you'd like to say to them? Just that place of saying, whether I'm coming in or going out, I'm there already. All of it is yours. So let us stand. So tonight, I believe just God here gives us this opportunity just to respond to him. Just to say, but Lord, 
These are the areas of my life where I realize, but you are not Lord there. There I fear man. I do not fear you. Or maybe it's not a thing of fearing man, but maybe um, you're just not focusing on what the Holy Spirit says in some of the areas of your life because you're focused on entertainment (laughs) or fun or certain needs or desires that you have. But either way, God is the God that gives us freedom in each of those areas when we come to him to say, Lord, I want to submit this and surrender it to you. So let's close our eyes. Lord Jesus, we, we want to thank you that your provision on the cross was and is perfect, God. It was just perfect. Thank you, Father, that you overcame, Lord, every evil thing. Lord, every hurt. Lord, every bit of shame that we would ever carry, God, because of things that would happen to us or things that we would do, Lord. Lord, you carried every bit of anxiety. You paid the perfect price for that anxiety, for depression, for fear, for hopelessness. You paid the perfect price. We don't have to pay for that. We can't. We don't have the money to pay for that, God. But you, you did. And tonight, there's an opportunity. We don't have to, you don't have to walk out of these doors carrying one bit of shame, carrying one bit of disappointment, carrying one bit of hopelessness, carrying one bit of anxiety or heaviness. But there's a place where we can come tonight and say, Jesus, here I am. I surrender this to you, this area of my life, this where I struggle with the hope. I've got so much hope for others, but when it comes to me, it feels like there's not hope. Why do I still struggle? Jesus says, come to me. I am the hope. I am the new hope. Come to me. I'm the peace. I bring you peace. You can't fight the anxiety, but would you give it to me? I want to bring to you peace. I want to give it to you. So Lord Jesus, tonight we come to you, Father, and we say our heart's desire, Father, is to surrender the things that we carry, Lord, that you paid for already. When we believe lies, we carry those things. So if that's you tonight, and there's anything, maybe one thing, maybe everything, maybe your whole life that you want to surrender to God, would you come to the front and just come start talking to him just to say to him Lord this is me we are going to anoint you and pray for you but this is a place just for you between you and God if there's anybody here that wants to say Lord this part of my life I realize you are not Lord and I want you to be Lord would you come to the front and just start speaking to him if you um, are not comfortable and it's like your throat is closing you can't come to the front God loves you where you're sitting too you can right then you see also respond to him and say here I am, Dad. Here I am, God. This part, this thing I'm carrying around, it makes me so tired. And thank you, Jesus. Your heart is so compassionate for every person that is here, Lord. For every person that is here. You all just feel God says His heart is so compassionate. And He's not standing with a stick um, to tune you and get you straight in the right. He wants to heal. He wants to love. That's who He, that's who he is. Thank you, Jesus. As we just go in for this this last um, worship song, we're just giving opportunity for anybody. There's still a place in the front. And if you want to respond to God where you're seating, then you're so more than welcome to speak to Him too. But just know we'd love to pray with you and take your hand and just agree with you in prayer. If I can ask just the, the facilitators and leaders to come to the front and just to come anoint and to speak life just over the people responding. Thank you, Lord.
you may be giving your life to the Lord for the first time tonight, saying that you're surrendering all, please don't leave without telling us. We'd love to pray with you for that specific. Remember that our sermons are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.